got to get some interns on this show. We got to get some help. It's like, it's like, um, yeah. Uh, what just happened? Yeah, we actually have uh, five. We have some people watching uh, who've been sitting there for 10 minutes waiting for us to start. And I, it, I feel it incumbent upon me to let them know that we actually thought that we had started the show. And we, we had thought we had. I thought we had started the show. We also thought that you had pressed record or play. Yeah. Or I whatever. thought I had gone live and started the show. And uh, we were having happened. a wonderful conversation. <laughs> you, sorry, you, you missed it. <laughs> but to wow. recap, some of the wonderful things we talked about. Well, we, we uh, talked about uh, we were toasting each other with some nice batch twenty-two. Yes, some nice batch twenty-two booze, which uh, I certainly need after a, a long, uh, a, long a long, arduous, brutal day. And then we mentioned that it was my birthday, and because it was my birthday, Happy my birthday. brother sent me a gift package from Dan the Sausage Man. You got to work, Dan yeah. the Sausage Man, and I can hear mom. Mom's downstairs. I think she's accompanying me because. It, it, we 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 sang a whole song to Dan. Where's the whole song? There's no. Yeah. That's just two bar. That's two. It's one measure. I, I'm. I can't go on. Okay. Not not without the full. You know, not without everything. Got to diversify. There's um, reasons that people make music for products and stuff. Uh, well, I was can... singing because I was so overjoyed that you sent me a gift box from Dan the Sausage Man. Yeah. Uh, as as I said sausage and cheese yeah. and mustard and toothpaste and, and then peppermints peppermint <laughs> toothpaste which they, they throw in there so that people yeah. can be, stand being around you after you've eaten the sausage this isn't an ad for dan the sausage man oh we're getting lots of comments are coming in probably mm. about our failure to um failure to launch the show ruben says figures i'm the one off work and able to check in with y'all happy birthday he says to me very nice we're providing my friend Laurie Schechter says happy belated birthday. Maybe Susie says happy birthday, or maybe not Susie. Who knows? It's a, uh, but we're we're off and running. So well, we're off. Yeah, we might not be running, but we are off. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so okay, I think we covered all the like we went through the basics of what the show was like. It was, this was nothing like the show. We had a really interesting patter. We had a lot of comments that were kind of pithy and interesting and off yeah. the cuff. And we can't recreate that. There's absolutely no way. Plus, I'm 20 times drunker than I was when I started yeah. the show. And it was now, a good conversation. What? What's that? We had a great conversation. If only we had captured. It's a great show. It was a great show. Some of our best work. Um. And you also mentioned that we have a guest, perhaps, coming on to join us. Yes, we do have a guest joining us tonight, um, which will be uh, very exciting. I found out about this rather late, and I got nervous perhaps that maybe it was Lou Gossett Jr., and, and I shouldn't say s some things about his movie. That uh, You know, what, what, if, know, what if we have some negative things to say? No, it's, it's not Lou Gossett Jr. And we're having all kinds of technical problems tonight. You it's very stormy. Is it storm? Oh, that's what the problem is. It's very stormy tonight in Brooklyn. Is it storming there? It's not storming, but it has been raining. So it's 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 moody. It's the moodiness of it all is affecting yeah. the wavelengths. 
So the movie we're doing tonight, as I guess we should explain again mm -hmm. for all the people who weren't here because we didn't start the show. Um, These are <laughs> minor details, people. Yeah. <laughs> we're uh, we're going to be talking not about the Yakuza, as we promised, uh, but instead we're going to be talking about Enemy Mine. Enemy yours? Anything to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just repeat. We did these jokes. These Wait jokes. a minute. They don't get better the second time around. <laughs> um, Enemy Mine, um, starring the fabulous Dennis Quaid and the wonderful Lugasa, Oscar winner Lugasa Jr. And uh, basically, it's hell in the Pacific on Mars. Well, yeah, not on Mars, really, though. Not on, on another Mars, planet. But in space. In deep, far space, yeah. Far space. Yeah. Um, do you want to uh, give some background and pedigree on this movie, or should we just plunge <laughs> right in? I don't know what pedigree there is. It's it's based on a it's based on a a, a story or a book uh, that uh, I had not heard of. I'd seen this movie when it came out uh you know same old rundown came out in 85 i was already used to a lot of science fiction at this point and was young enough to be um both very excited to see it mm -hmm. and then somewhat mystified when i left <laughs> and i remember that vividly you remember that? Well, that that feeling quickly the plot Two uh, jet fighters, you, you know, two space jet fighter jet pilots. pilots, fighter pilots. Yes, two fighter pilots, one human, one drac. The setup at the very beginning of the movie is very Star Trek, right? Peace on Earth. We've conquered all of our problems and gone off to explore the universe, and now we're at war with with some other race. For it's like the Klingons. It's, Who, whom in the opening brilliant narration, uh, I might say, is <laughs> they are referred to as non-human aliens. Non-human aliens for some yeah. reason. Yeah, and uh, two two fighter pilots get into a dogfight and crash land on a planet, and just like um just like hell in the pacific have to learn to coexist and then they become friends and hilarious hijinks ensue and then there might be a couple of people there might be a lot of couple people that don't know hell in the pacific who is not somebody i went to school with uh that <laughs> is a film matthew's referencing um from i'm gonna say like 67 i think 68 68 yeah, Toshiro uh, Mifune and Lee Marvin. Yes, the great Toshiro Mifune and the great Lee Marvin in uh, in a two-hander that they shot, John Borman directed, and they shot in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and it was a really exciting movie. And this uh, this is a remake of that movie. Yes. Um, with a twist, though. With a, with a very important with a very distinction. <laughs> there's yeah. a part, of, there's a thing that happens in this movie that Toshiro Mifune actually re refused to shoot. And wouldn't well, do. Toshiro Mifune apparently is incapable of. If somebody says to Toshiro Mifune, "Go screw yourself," he actually can't do that. But uh, Lou Gossett's character in this movie apparently can, and becomes pregnant and has a child. Don't you know? Don't bury the lead. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that's so there's a big plot twist in this movie. But anyway, it's kind of like, I guess, like a combination oh. of of Robinson Crusoe with another person with a castaway. If castaway, ha if Wilson were a person and from another planet. That's how I thought of it. Right. Is that yeah. does that make sense? If castaway, if Wilson, this the soccer ball were an were an alien. That would be this movie. <laughs> Yeah, combined with Rosemary's Baby, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. And um, and I ha and it must be said, virtually the entire third act of of uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, <laughs> just recreated for your viewing pleasure. Yeah, and because <laughs> what is a futuristic space movie without Brian James? It has to be that way. Brian James. 1950s punk punk clothes in yeah. space. Brian we have James. really got to bring the people some understanding of what's happening here. Not only is Brian James in this movie, though, but Brian James um, actually... Uh, Brian James makes... Uh, there's the, the uh, required shot of Brian James making this face, which he makes in, in every... <laughs> In every movie that he's ever in. I think that might be the, the face of Brian James. Yeah, it is. I think that's what he just looks like. Yeah. Obviously, he makes that same face in every yeah, movie. But that, that's the, have you ever had an itch you can't scratch? Yeah, face, it is. Right? That's the same face. Have you ever seen a movie called Blue Sunshine? No. Oh, we Does gotta he make do that. that yeah, Does he, he make makes that face in Blue Sunshine, too. <laughs> he yeah. makes a good, crazy face. Well, he's like we kid, we jest. I, Brian James is is incredible. I love that guy, and he's yeah. he's he's not the problem here. If there is a problem, um, the, if I'll tell you, I'll tell problem. you, I'll tell you who else is not the problem. Is is Lou Gossett Jr. is not the problem here. Lou Gossett Jr. is so far from the problem. That I, was, I was amazed at what he did. He's so amazing in this movie that my recollect my recollection of the movie is that it's a was a really good movie. Okay, and it was only because of that performance because that perform everything else I'd completely blocked out, including the third act. If you had asked me before I watched it the other day, getting ready for this, I would have said there's only two people in the movie. I would have too. I totally forgot the third act. And I've mentioned it to other people since, since we decided to co to cover it. They said, what are, what are you, what are you and Tony doing tomorrow night? What are you doing tonight? And I told them enemy mine. They say, Oh, a two hander. And I'm like, you know, interestingly, Everybody, yeah. it's not a two hander. It's There's not. It's a, a whole other cast in this movie and a whole other story. And nobody remembers it. It's a nine hander. Um, but our guest is going to tell us some interesting stories about that because uh, Peterson apparently makes, you know, six hour movies. So there were, there was a whole plot, other plot line in this movie about an hour's worth. Well, I have a quick, I have, can I ask a question? Yeah. Who did anybody release that version or was that just the crazy directors? We have to ask it, her. It just, I don't think it ever got released. It just got cut. Because she I had would, a whole storyline. I bet they they put it on German television Maybe. and ran the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, they yeah. on 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 uh, 
Wolfgang Peterson week, right? When they do, they kind of do that. Yeah. Well, actually, the funny thing is, they apparently, show boot, they show the sequel, Das Utter Boot. Okay. Oh my God! First of all, Das Boot, and I mean, mine. How? How does the same director make the same person movies? make these movies? I don't understand. Das Boot is one of the most harrowing frightening messed up realistic portrayals of war or certainly of like naval war of u-boat war that you could ever imagine well uh, but let me ask you a question though seriously because i know you and i know for a fact that you have spent the exact same amount of time in a u-boat as you have on an in an alien drac fighter and on an alien planet so oh, i see where you're how, going so how do you know which one is more realistic i see where you're going <laughs> you got me there i can't i can't i really can't argue with that logic at all but i'm still mystified that's the same man yeah it's uh he made them it's mystifying but then you know what's really mystifying here let's phrase it a different way I think there's another way to put it. Yeah. What's mystifying more <laughs> is that the man that made Enemy Mine and Never Ending Story made Das Boot. <laughs> yeah. It makes you wonder why the um, the submarine, the U-boat, wasn't a big, fluffy, stuffed couch. It might. It's, that could have been in the original concept. Yeah. Apparently... Uh, in my research, which was vast, let's face it, on this film, <laughs> I went really deep. Uh, there is like a section, they have a German version of like the studio tours, you know? Yeah. Where they have studio tours. Air Force One, exactly. Thank you, Stephen. Air Force One is great. So how could the anyway we could say that over and over again every new movie that we think of it's probably he's made some good and some bad just like everybody but these are just notably different kinds of movies very different movies yeah um I directed Inception and Muppets Take Manhattan right <laughs> yeah. well the sequel to Muppets Take Manhattan it was the triquel um yeah but you know uh it's, that's notable. I forget completely what I was going to say about it. Oh, other than um, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what I was thinking either because I thought there were two people in this movie. There are there's a whole third act. There's there's multiple people. There's many Drax. There's many aliens. There's uh, many worlds. There's many stories, and I only remember this one. Yeah, and it's Lou Gossett Jr. And honestly, the effects team on the makeup on that on that face uh was a really top notch yeah really that that is almost it's all from a different movie really because really he, truly yeah it, completely convincing um you know i don't they they didn't get like you know the the whole body part suit was like it was basically just like he was just had like kind of a tail yeah. which i thought was a mistake maybe yeah I, it, once you see the whole thing it's just the face though that really makes an impact great. and his the, the, that he is able to perform through that prosthetic and and be as moving as he is 
I mean, this this is what this performance is what what Robert Downey Jr. was talking about in Tropic Thunder when he said swinging for the fences. Yeah, he sw he swung for the fences. He really did. Um, some interesting things about it too. The, the the gender bending is kind of way ahead of its time. I was I was very I was going to bring that up too. It, it's very ahead of its time. I mean, I think that's what makes the movie so. Um, so unique is that they took a huge gamble in, in 85 with that storyline. And I can't remember the numbers this movie did, but if it didn't make it money, not, it did not make its money back. I think I know why. I mean, we were going to see a lot of really bad, stupid science fiction movies back in 85. There were yeah. good ones, but there were also plenty of bad ones that we were going to see all of them. And this one, uh, this one Duff at the time has a thing that happens in it that made everybody kind of go, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's much yeah. more normalized now, but, but which is great. But at the time it was a, it was a risk also like, I mean, a risk in terms of, of, of just talking about that idea for one of the heroes. Do you want to say what this is that we're talking about? Well, the, he is, I forget the name parthenogenic uh, uh he is of a species or it is of a species that contains both sexes within itself and can becomes pregnant by itself and reproduces by right. itself. like a seahorse yeah um and uh and in the movie uh spoiler alert because this spoiled the movie for me why not spoil it for you <laughs> Uh, Lou Gossett Jr. has a, has a baby. Yeah, and it didn't spoil it for me because I was like, "Wait, he's a guy, and how can he have a baby?" That didn't. It wasn't that. It was just that now we had a science fiction movie with a baby in it, and I I don't like that. You don't like babies in science. I don't fiction? want them in science fiction movies. I feel they belong in other kinds of movies. Really, I didn't know yeah. that about you. I didn't know you felt that way. I have feelings about things you don't know. Huh. Really, this kind of cuteness doesn't just, you don't... It's horrible. Look at that thing. You, what don't, you don't want to cuddle up with that? Seriously? This is a picture of a... It looks like a deflated uh, uh, Michelin baby man yeah. that is got uh, parrot it's teeth, like uh, parrotfish teeth. Yeah, and gelatin smeared all over it. The uh, the face is... The, 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 the makeup work is great. The, the yeah. teeth the teeth alone were incredible. Like yeah. the, the intricacies of the dental implants and everything. It's, it was great. Do you know another thing that this movie saw was way ahead of its time? Ancestry.com. You know, big part of this movie. The whole finding out where you, where you came from and knowing your lineage. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, 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 okay. I didn't know they had a stake in this film at all. Yeah. Ancestry.com, I think. Uh, well, I'm just bringing it up because I got an Ancestry.com membership this week. And I thought of that when I was watching this movie as he's reciting his lineage and looking at how far back he goes. And I've spent a lot of time this past week looking way back in my lineage, too, as far back. And you know what I discovered? I don't want to say. Jewish. But, uh, <laughs> thank all you for Jewish, saying for me. <laughs> all Jewish all the time. Russia, Latvia. Middle Europe. Riga. Yes. You know, you know yeah. Belarus. 
The whole schmear <laughs> Jewish. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. So so uh, so new. <laughs> so yeah. What a surprise. Yeah. Um. Well, you paid was- some. You paid somebody to learn this. <laughs> <laughs> Give me twenty dollars. I could call you Jew. Come on. Now you really sound like dad. <laughs> when I told dad that I wanted to get wanted to get ancestry.com, he's like, What do you think you're gonna find out? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But what can I tell you? There what? you were holding out some kind of hope that there was some some new uh, interesting branch of the tree that you could follow, and there wasn't. It was just it, what it, you thought. It, it all goes straight, straight to uh, Grobno. But you're proud of your heritage. I mean, oh, I yeah, would imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not that we yeah. ever talk we about came, it. We came from the finest shtetls in the land. You couldn't find better. <laughs> Um, started all that Airbnb that all of it was the shtetls. The shtetls was the beginning of Airbnb. <laughs> okay. Speaking um, of speaking though of of Jews and lineage though, yeah. Um, there's another thing about this movie uh, that I that you you liked it so much that you couldn't go on. You're completely frozen. This is strange because now I don't know. I have no idea if that means that I, if the show's frozen or I'm alive alone here or you are. I wouldn't know the answer to that. Now we're back. We're back finally. If there are any listeners left that, that I don't know why there would be, but if there was, could you type in and tell us what you're seeing when that happens? Because if I'm not in that part, I would be, I can do a lot of, I can get some work done. That's what I'm saying. I can get some things done around the house. Yeah. But as I wanted to say, we're talking about going back in time and Judaism and exploring our lineage and how it connects to this movie. And I thought it was very interesting because I did not know that there was a direct line from, um, I did not know that there was a direct line from Dennis Quaid in this movie to uh, Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments um, <laughs> that I was unaware of. Uh, That's wonderful. I don't know if people got that reference when they were watching the movie, but uh, parting the parting the Red Planet, <laughs> yeah, parting of the Red Planet, yeah, um, um, yeah. He there was some, you know, uh, and ordinarily I'd like to, uh, I I would go for the the jokes about the incredible hair that Dennis. Quaid has in the movie and the fake beard, except it's pretty good. Like they did a nice job. Yeah. They the did. thing about Wolfgang Peterson's <clears throat> team over there in Germany, because they shot this movie in Germany. You, your our guest may tell me differently, but I think that they did. Uh, and in Germany, yeah, they take these details very seriously. Um, as they do, of- as they do the exact weight and metric size of a lava tree. Yep. And speaking of guests. Hey there. Hello. I had Karen. to have my son help me with this because, you know, I don't know how to do this. Can, can I have his number and can he help me with this as well? Because yeah. I'm having trouble. Lenny McCormick, Hello. my brother, Anthony Arkin. I don't know if you guys have ever met. Hello. I don't know I, if you have met. 
I don't. I, I think we have a, a reading at a party at an opening of something oh, somewhere. Know, but I know we've met. I know I've met your other brother, and I know this this brother. It's all downhill from here. Oh, just just spiraling. Um, nice to meet you uh, digitally or anyway. It's yes, a pleasure. Um, thank you for coming on the show. You my PJs. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna stay dressed up, and I thought. I'm gonna put on my PJs because I'm about ready to go to bed. Matt, do you think Matthew's wearing anything but PJs yeah. right now? You're you're like kidding yourself. Stand right now, Matthew. Could you stand, please? Oh, he's frozen. He's frozen. He seems to be frozen now. That's uh, good. Or he's pretending to. Oh, he's not even. This he's, is fascinating. He's doing a whole thing. So now, right now, it's just you and I talking, and I can only assume this is going out. Because I don't control this. He has all the controls for running the show. He was so excited to see me in my PJs and froze. <laughs> exactly. Where where are you no, calling where, where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from New York City. Okay. All right. So not that far. I'm in Brooklyn. Frozen, Matthew? He's I'm back. I'm here. I'm back. You're we're here. all back. You're all back. I'm, I was doing back. fine. Just go <laughs> go get me a glass. Go get me a glass of water or something. I'll be yeah. we're doing fine. You're doing good? I got this. Was We're I having the a fine time? Who, was I the only one who disappeared that time? Yes, it was just Carolyn and myself, and we were having a yes. great time. I'm gonna run and get a cable and plug it in because maybe that'll solve the problem on my end. Take okay. your time. It's fun. We're having we're all good. Good. So he stood up. So I got to see he is wearing pants. Oh, yeah. No, we we have to wear pants on the show. Thanks. We have to do that. Important. Um, yeah, we don't. We 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 really do encourage people to wear pants. Who all guests? You don't have to, but it's we encourage it. So I'm I think saying it's it. a good idea. Yeah, I wear heels, so I'm like in my PJs. But normally I'm still all, all dressed up. So you're in your PJs in Manhattan. I'm in Manhattan. In my and um, have you been in Manhattan this whole this whole time? No, I have the luxury of having a house um, outside of New York. So we have been living up there since this started. I was shooting a movie, a Lifetime movie, in March of 2020. And we, I think, were one of the last movies to shoot. We ended on March 19th, 2020. Wow. The D-Day. shot Amazing. Four days and two days. And then I flew back and went straight up to our house. And I only come into the city about once every two weeks to do like appointments and check in on my apartment, but I'm living out in the countryside and it's, it's quite nice. I feel sort of lucky, very lucky. I know. That's very nice. It's nice. Yeah. I, I, we've been in the, in Brooklyn the whole time and it's been uh, just a little more city than you'd want all year, all, all uh, the time. Yeah. And when I go home, when I come back to the city, which I am now, I'm, I feel the pressure and the trauma of this whole situation so much more intensely than I do when I'm up at my house because you're kind of free. I mean, we're very isolated. We don't see anybody, mm. but um, you have the outdoors. And I, I so feel for the urban community that is stuck in. It's pretty tough, but we get, we probably get better Amazon deliveries than you do. I'm pretty friendly with my Amazon guy, I gotta say. You get like three or four times a day. They're call I'll call them in 15 minutes, they'll have stuff coming into the house. It's very easy. Yeah. Amazon and FedEx, they're my buddies. I know their names now. I mm. get Christmas presents. 
I was like, you are my people. I've got to start doing that. <laughs> Do you send them handwritten thank you notes, Lenny? Uh, I did write handwritten cards when I sent them a little money and left them out for them to pick up when they delivered stuff. So, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Wow. So wow. How, how do you know each other? How uh, what was the what was Matt the job? What was the play together for seventeen years? For about a year, we did it. But that's uh, how you had not you had not known each other before the play. I, I had not met okay. Matthew Arkin, and she, we did a play together, and we had so much fun. We did. She joined the cast, and and I I walked into her dressing room, and I said. The great thing about this career is you can have a crush on somebody for years and years and years, and suddenly you're sharing a stage with them. Yes. That was, and I had just had a baby, so I was also pumping milk in my dressing room, which is also why I think Matthew walked in the room. He kept on coming by. <laughs> why would you not hang out? Just happened to be, oh, oh that's right. I forgot to mention. <laughs> yeah. Did I leave with this my keys in here for a day? Um so I said you guys were kind of being fun and having fun. So I hope I'm not saying anything inappropriate. I oh, no, the sky's the limit, I think. I mean it was 20 years ago. It's too late for them to fire me. <laughs> um, um, no, I don't, I, I personally don't have a career to protect anymore. And, um, it's up to you as much as you want to say. Yeah. And I'm going off to become a booze mogul. So, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. Any of this uh, any of show business stuff. Yes. But, uh, did you know, uh, Anthony, that, that, um, on Star Trek, the next generation, they needed somebody to play the perfect woman. The perfect, most the beautiful woman. Generated version of the ideal woman. Yes. That is the exact terminology because I go to Star Trek conventions. So, mm -hmm. yeah. The, yeah. So, the, the, and this is obviously. C'est moi. Yeah. How did we ever get you on this show? Why did you, you could have been anywhere talking to anybody. Yeah. Yes, because I love Matthew Arkin. So he asked and I said, yes. There you look, you look wow, yeah. You do a lot of space stuff. Well, I don't think of that, but yeah, I guess I have. I mean, I'm known mostly for Law and Order, but uh, Minuet, my computer-generated version of The Ideal Woman, is very popular uh, for reasons that are beyond my powers to understand. Not mine. <laughs> They're not beyond my powers so, to understand. So I, um, I, I get a lot. Of, I got fan mail today, uh, more with pictures of me from I don't know, thirty years ago, forty. That's really know. exciting. Do you go to do you do Comic Con and stuff? I've, or done, no? I've done a few Star Trek conventions, and they're really fun. I've heard, yeah. They're really fun. The people are so interesting and so serious about their love of Star Trek and all things space. And so it's kind of cool. It's like going into a whole different world um, and they dress up. It's like a costume party. It's, it's really entertaining. And when you're sitting at your table waiting for people to come over and, you know, ask if you want to sign a, paper, a picture or whatever, just watching all the people, it's a whole different world. And um, they really love Star Trek. And Law and & Order has sort of an equal uh, 
following in terms of people that have that are committed to it, especially during COVID. There's people that watch Start uh, Law and Order all day because it's on all the time. Well, so, there aren't any conventions we can go to for that, are there? I mean, I've done. I don't think they have. I'm amazed that Dick Wolf hasn't come up with a Law and Order convention. I wish they'd do that. I've I've got eight episodes. Yeah. Uh, they were going to put a new Law and Order ride in at Epcot Center, but they, it, it it really wasn't that much fun. No, it, 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 uh, particularly the uh, the realistic Rikers simulation. Yeah, it was it turned people Rikers, off, frankly. Rikers roommate ride. Good show, bad ride. Yeah. yeah, no, I can't imagine that being a big hit, but yeah, but uh, yeah, I've done the Star Trek thing. It's fun. It's fun. It's a totally different world. Wow. I've I've have friends who go and you know have well, done it for years. Uh, uh oh, Lenny froze. Did I freeze? No, I didn't. No, we're back. You I'm froze. Gonna... You're the one. Did yes, Matt... you're the one, Dimitri. We we're both capable about... of freezing. Uh, back. He's back. We can't. You're not the only one so who can freeze. <laughs> okay. Um. So. Uh, enemy mind. Let's talk about enemy mind. Yeah. So there was a whole other movie apparently that that you were in there was a long movie i okay that was a long time ago but um i was in germany for two months wow oh my goodness so they flew me over um for a month in like before christmas and then i went back a month after it uh so it was a lot of time and uh there was a whole subplot of I really even can't remember. I just remember going to being invited to the screening and going to the screening and realizing I have been completely cut from this film. <laughs> I'm sitting there with my agents oh. and like kind of at the end of the movie going, oh, ouch. Like no one warned me. No one, because I they was- They don't. They just don't tell you. It. But actually, I was in the movie called Miss Congeniality playing Sandra Bullock's mother in a flashback. And the director called me and said, you, that subplot, me and Ed Herman were on the cutting floor. So mm. I was very appreciative of being told that. But that I was cut completely from the movie other than like a picture of me in the FBI office. But um, I was kind of still in Enemy Mine. But there was a subplot where Dennis and I get together and- Oh, really? Yeah, and that's why I'm crying when he's kissing the drac and okay, I they're I'm be all teary and they're blowing all that stuff in my eyes to make me cry and um yeah, and I got to be very good friends with Lou Gossett. I I stayed I stayed friends with Lou and uh, Dennis, but um yeah, that was it was my first big movie. And it was such a shocker that I thought, this isn't, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to do this if they're going to just cut me out. Wow. That's pretty rough. That, that had happened to me also. I was in a film and I get, you get, I get invited to the cast and crew screening and everybody's like, oh, it's great. And they're all excited. And you're like, nobody just could, nobody made a call to say like, you know, you're not just so you know, you're not. No, I mean, yes. I have one line they left in where at the very beginning I say something. I haven't seen it in ages. I don't think I've seen it since I went to the screening. But that one line enables me to still get residuals. 
Okay, yeah, that's right, good. You do say something in the in the dogfight at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, at the very beginning. And every other line, I'm silent. Yeah. So any actors out there, just try to get a line out. Get one line. You can. But you had, a, you had a good experience with Dennis, huh? Yes, Dennis and I had a great time. We went skiing. I remember we we had we had fun. I've had skiing and uh, I've had a very interesting uh, chain of events with Dennis. Uh, that he won't remember, which are utterly humiliating to me. Which uh, I, you may remember that the play that you and I did. Oh, he did. A, he did the movie of it. He yeah. played my role in the movie because people are always thinking of me and Dennis. You know, as the I same do. type. We Although go up. You first. We go up against each other all the time. But I, uh, I don't like to tell the story of what happened when I met Dennis the first time. I like to tell the story of telling Reed Bernie, our friend Reed Bernie. Yes. about what happened when I met Dennis. So I was out in LA for a while and I came back and I was having lunch with Reed. And uh, I said to Reed, I said, oh, something funny happened when I was out in LA. And he said, what? I said, well, I was online at Starbucks and Pacific Palisades and Dennis Quaid got online uh, right behind me. And Reed said, you did not. And I said, I, I did. And Reed said, you turned around and you introduced yourself to Dennis as the guy who played Gabe in the theater version. And I said, yeah, I did. And Reed said, let me ask you a question. How did that conversation go in your head before you had it in a way that made you feel good? <laughs> so cut to 10 years later, I'm out in LA again and I start dating this lovely woman and she um, she mentions at one point that she's got a very good friend who's married to Dennis Quaid. And then a few weeks later, she mentions to me that her friend Kimberly has invited us over for dinner. And I said, great, let's, you know, it's my first time getting to meet some of her friends. I'm thinking, okay, so this is going well. And we're driving over to her friend Kimberly's house for dinner when I suddenly put together that Kimberly is Kimberly Quaid and that I'm going to Dennis Quaid's house for dinner and get to sit down through dinner. And in the middle of dinner, Dennis turns to me and says, so Matt, what do you do? Oh boy. Yes. Well, um, <clears throat> I have run into Dennis a few times since the movie. Once I ran into him with his then wife, Meg Ryan, and he pretended he didn't know me. And when we were shooting the movie, he made it very clear that he wanted to get to know me. And I made it very clear that I was not hired for that purpose. And I found, I said, I could find him pretty extras that would be more than happy to um, help him out. And that was fun because we understood each other and we still maintained our friendship and it was good. But then when I saw him in a movie, a, a theater, a play once at MTC, I think it was, he acted like he didn't know me. Then I saw him later with a friend of mine uh, at an award ceremony, a fancy award show. And I was her date because her husband wasn't available. And he was super nice and solicitous and, um, you know, remembered me. So I don't know what that is, but what's I, up with that? That's strange. I think when 
Fame does funky stuff to people. I mean, he never he never remembers me ever, but we never we never really met. So I but I think I, I have great empathy for famous people because people come at them all the time and they don't know. I just I understand the I mean, my friends who are super famous, I, <clears throat> I have great when I go out with them. It's it's a weird thing. It's hard sometimes. I feel badly for them. I do not feel like, isn't this cool? I think, oh, my God, you can't have dinner. Yeah. Well, you've always done a lovely job, you know, whenever we've gone out of running interference for me so that I didn't have to put up with. Uh... I make sure that people <laughs> keep away from you because I know how dangerous you are. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, <clears throat> how did you like uh, working with Wolfgang Peterson? I thought he was great. We had such fun. And um, he was very playful. I mean, I was so young. It was my first big job. I think I was 23, 24. Mm -hmm. That's a great thing I, to happen when you're 23 to go. Had you been to Europe before? Uh, um, yes, I had been. My I had been with my parents more many times and i had lived in europe for a summer once going to school in avignon so i wasn't i wasn't in awe of the german of being overseas as much as i wasn't really i'm not really an in awe kind of person but i um i i i just i liked him mm -hmm. and um the script was always a little confusing to me i wasn't really sure what story we were telling I don't think he was either sometimes, maybe. Yeah, it was. And um, there was a very strong, when I first read the script, um, it seemed very much a story about uh, bringing these two worlds together, the Drac world and the Lou Gossett. And he has that that voice that Lou does with kind of the bubbly voice. That's He can do that. It's not special effects. Lou could do Oh, that's actually his, he, that, he oh my God. He would like, I don't know. He could do that. Well, so, he, he, he talks about how he gargled when he was a kid. He did this thing screwing around of gargling with his own saliva and coming up with this thing. Yeah, so he had that voice. So that's for real. That's not special. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And, um, he was great. I mean, both, I mean, everyone, it was just kind of a fabulous experience for me until i went to the movie and <laughs> now what i understand is that wolfgang peterson replaced a couple of other directors and got this job kind of late didn't have a tremendous amount of time to prep like the ordinary amount of time that might be true i don't know that to be true because i Again, I was so young. I didn't have that sort of like I'm much savvier now. Mm -hmm. I, I do my research. I find out what's going on and what's who's who and what's what. And but I didn't back then. I was like, oh, okay. When do I leave? I didn't right. You know. And it's a. So, I mean, regardless, it's a pretty huge movie to to be your first. Was it your literally your first movie or your first big big film? It was the other the thing right before it was a movie I was going to do with Jimmy Stewart and Carol Burnett called uh, <laughs> Late Christopher Bean, and I played Jimmy Stewart's daughter. And we, George Schaefer, uh, was directing it, and we rehearsed it. He wanted to rehearse because he was a theater. He used to do playhouse uh, live playhouse stuff. Right. Um, 
you know, back in the day when they did live like Doll's House and all that stuff. So um, he was directing it and we rehearsed it in at MGM Studios in uh, Venice. And I was put up in a little hotel in Venice for a week. And then we were all flying to Hawaii to shoot this play, turn into a movie. And I showed up the last day of rehearsal and they had cut the movie because Carol Burnett had a nervous breakdown and went into her daughter was having some, that was when her daughter was having some serious drug issues and anything. The whole movie was shut down. Wow. So I then ended up being free to do Enemy Mine. So both, as far as I was concerned, ended up being a, a non-starter. Right, right. So in my youth, I used to think if I ever wrote an autobiography, it would be called False Start. Because a series of big, big projects went nowhere. But as all we, as we know, as actors, that's the life. If you don't, I mean, enemy, the Enemy Mind Diaries might have been taken already as a as a memoir title but i i think yeah false start is good um that's what it felt like to me in my young age i was like oh i was about to do this big movie with jimmy stewart and i remember rehearsing with him and i remember being really careful not to bug him because i made sure i was seated next to him on the plane to hawaii and i'm like then i'll talk to him but i don't want to bother him in rehearsal and then it never happened wow these are my sad tales. But you got to you got to work with Jimmy Stewart. That's for a week. That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. And Carol Burnett, who was also phenomenal, and Dick Dysart and Joe Mahar, and it was a huge, it was a great cast. Oh, Joe Mahar. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Great cast. Joe Mahar, I believe, was in the play that our parents met in. I think. Enter laughing. I think he was in that. Oh yeah, he was a wonderful actor. That sounds right. That sounds right. I can't remember exactly if that. W Maybe mom will type that in for us. Maybe she will. From Barbara's corner. Fun fact. Mom's corner. Yes. Yeah. So I'm really curious if, like, if you remember differences in terms of how the German crew, what it was like to work in Germany with a German crew, and Maybe. then going to Hollywood very clean clean set right food organized efficient no wasted time no endless hours was peterson friendly or was he a, a screamer super friendly oh my god he and i and he and i share the same birthday september 19th and um no he was great no not a screamer at all okay Somehow I always think of German directors as just kind of being able to start screaming at any, at any given point. No, he was great. I only, he never was. I remember him once telling me in a shot, close your mouth. Cause you know, actors are like, <laughs> he was like, close your mouth. Because it was not pretty. So he was like, close your mouth. And I'm like, it's not the proper way. Yeah. So I this was isn't like, the proper way to hold your mouth. Listen, <laughs> That's the only note I can think of that he gave me, but then he cut me out of the movie. So. What is he doing? What's he doing now? I don't think it was him that cut you out of the movie. No, it was time. No. It was time. He he also, you know, his version of Das Boot, uh, he had a six hour um, version of Das Boot. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, he must and have. I watched it with Dennis. 
uh, he had the director's cut. So we would go after work and watch the, um, the, the, the six hour version. That's when we had to clarify um, that I was not hired for something other than the actor. Okay, but, right, we, right. We clarified it and it was funny and it was fine. And hey, he got the message. That's the that's ultimately the important he totally, thing. He was a gentleman. He made his intentions clear. I made my intentions clear. That's and not, we finished the movie and that was good. It's, but not, it was, it's, a, it's nice to hear a story like that. You don't these days you don't hear that many stories like that. They that's great. Oh, I uh, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, men have every right to say, oh, I'm interested, and you have every right to say, well, I'm not. And that's fine. But it shouldn't make men not express themselves. I mean, this is a whole nother conversation. I, I have a huge issue with the lack of nuance sometimes in the uh, Me Too movement. I'm going to get nailed for this. But I think there is a difference between real aggression and just flirtation. Well, uh, I've, I, I probably shouldn't say a thing. I, 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 I applaud you in every way. I think you should say anything you want to say, and I'm going to keep my fat <laughs> shot. But I feel as a woman, there are so many women that have real uh, causes, and they should be so listened to and pursued, their causes should be pursued, and the, the more flirtatious ones undermine the real assaults, as far as I'm concerned. That's an interesting point. Uh, and yeah. I just think there's nuance. I, I believe that the Me Too movement should exist and women should be held, uh, heard, and men should be held accountable. Like Promising Young Woman, I think, is an amazing movie just because I was so moved at the end because I was like... <gasps> Oh my God, they're being held accountable. It was so overwhelming to mm -hmm. me because I think the helplessness of not being held accountable is out there. But it doesn't mean just someone saying, you know, nice blouse or I don't know. Well, I'm going to uh, dig myself deeper into this whole. Uh, well, there's no need. There's no whole. I mean, what, what, all I meant to say was it's nice. It's nice to hear that you can use, uh, that you can communicate with somebody and that. It could uh, it could uh, go amicably that it, you could work together and it didn't become yeah. an issue. That's that that doesn't. And that, we, we joked about it. It was just you know it was it was we, not an issue at all. Yeah, we, we did fine after you told me to back the hell off. <laughs> he yeah. he he was not okay though for <laughs> weeks. So I was devastated. <laughs> but you know. But Dennis probably back to Matthew's thing probably doesn't even remember this. Probably Dennis doesn't remember. No, no. that he, he kind doesn't. of came on to me. He probably doesn't remember it. <clears throat> I mean, if I gave him, uh, he would probably remember. It. But you know, it's not. It was a big deal for me because it was like he was this famous person, and yeah, and but that's never really been something that is so exciting to me. You know, I'm like, yeah, so. But well, he was kind of famous. He hadn't made inner space yet. So I'm a little upset though that, <laughs> that that when he came on to you, you you know, you sort of laid down the law and told him to, you know, where the where the uh, acceptable line was. And when I did it, you I th I think you just laughed. No, um, I did that was I was about to say that. <laughs> I'd like to say to every woman who's listening out there, laugh. 
It is. I did that with Dennis. I actually laughed. I said, are you serious? You got to be kidding me. That is the best defense. It does sort of diffuse. Uh, in my experience, that has always diffused me. It's just like so hysterical that are you kidding me? Laughing at me is the surest way to make me just go away. For yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's Unless fine. you're paying. If we're yeah. being paid, then we, we stick around. As long as you need. Two shows sometimes. Some women are in situations where they can't laugh because it's not funny. <coughs> of course. I could totally laugh and it was um it was funny. And then we both laughed, so it was all funny. Joe um, Mahar was in another play with mom. That's what Joe Mahar was the in. The play called A. All right. That she did with Dustin Hoffman was with Wilson. <clears throat> That's what the uh from Barbara's Corner. Those Her of you mom? listening on the podcast. That's our mom. Joe Mahar was in the play A. Exclamation. E H, yes, not spelled, not spelled A. Not A, not the letter A. Who would do that? That's crazy. (laughs) That would be nuts. That would be like doing a play called Nine or something. So when you go to like, uh, uh, was it strictly Star Trek conventions, or did you also go to Comic Con and and other stuff? Star Trek. Okay, so they they probably didn't bring up Enemy Mine at the Star Trek convention. I did when I went to one two summers ago in Vegas. I did bring some enemy mine pictures because I thought, oh, and the guy who who got me there, who solicited me to go there, um, said, yeah, bring some. But um, I didn't find there was many nibbles. I it's, think one or two people knew enemy mine. A few people. That you that most people just come and kind of look at your table and. They just kind of look at you. It sounds rude. I don't think I want to go now. They look at you and sometimes they'll say, you're really pretty. And then they'll walk on. Well, wow, they don't... I, I'm going to go now. If they say that to, to Matthew, somebody... he's going to go. <laughs> I was all dolled up, too, at the time. So what's, he... what's interesting, too, is that I mean, it almost feels like Enemy Mine comes from or could be connected to the Star Trek universe a little bit. There's certain design aesthetic that's similar. Like the whole thing for Lou's stuff was so cool. Yeah, yeah. His his makeup was amazing. The effects were incredible on him. Yeah, baby, and the all that stuff. I mean, I haven't seen the movie in many years, so. I would be interested to know what you think about it today after many years. I mean, that's an interesting, you know, you, uh, I, yeah. you know, cause um, well, maybe you don't want to see it again. Cause your memories would, you want to keep your memories intact. People feel differently about that kind of thing. I just rarely watch stuff that I was in. Cause I'm like, I'm not as interested in, it's not current. It's not, it, 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 I don't know. It wasn't a, Oh, you're not going to watch this show after when we're done. You're not yeah. going to go back and see what happened. <laughs> I make my children watch it. <laughs> you watch your stuff, right, Matthew? You watch it obsessively. Uh, I'll be. That's all I'll be doing all night tonight. <laughs> Taking notes. Yeah. Yeah. Writing myself fan mail. Maybe shave next time. No. Cross it out. <laughs> Stand by your guns. Lipstick. Lipstick. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, 
what do you it, have going I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. No, I didn't have anything to say. I, was, I had I did. I was gonna ask you. Go, if, you go for it. Well, do uh, Carolyn, do you have anything uh did you shoot anything under lockdown? Do you have anything coming out that was done under this crazy No, I I've turned down most of the things that have come my way because if they take me out of um if they don't have proper COVID protocols and they take my boys, which are not boys, they're 21 and 24, have been living with us upstate. And uh, they're super, super strict about COVID. And mm -hmm. uh, if I was going to leave and go do something, I think they would have had a complete meltdown. So it just, Understandable. It just wasn't worth the um, family stress it would have caused. So... And for like a guest spot on a TV show or a little part in a movie, nothing came along that um, I did. I do a lot of political voiceovers. I, I did create a sound studio in my house so I can do my political stuff. I did mm -hmm. a lot of campaigns for um, Democrats uh, during the election. And I've done some Ken Burns stuff, which I've, I've done forever. Actually, the first time I did Ken Burns was with your older brother. Oh, Adam. Yeah. We were, um, uh, it was back in, I was doing a series called Cracker out in LA and I got this job to go do a voice on jazz with Ken Burns. No one knew who Ken Burns was. And I remember driving out there. Um, I remember it vividly cause I was late because I had a clog on and it got caught under my brake and the guy rear ended me because I, or no, I, I rear ended someone because I couldn't put my brake on because stupid clogs I'd taken off and it got stuck. So I was like, the guy was super cool. I was like, give me your info. I'm late for something and I'll, I'll send you all, you know, and he faxed me and I paid him for whatever the damage was to it. It wasn't a huge accident, but I got there and your brother was sitting there. And so we chatted for a while. And then he and I actually did a pilot together. Huh. Play tennis together. That's all I remember. And it was at Hunter college. It was after I'd worked with Matthew. So we spent most of, most of the time talking about Matthew. Sure. Oh, as, as everybody does who's worked with me. Yeah, because how can we not? So, um, but that was my first Ken Burns. It was with, um, and uh, he, and, and then I've done a bunch of Ken Burns since then. So I was very eager to get a voiceover studio set up in my house upstate because I, um, I wanted to keep that going. So that kind of has kept me going. Nice. That's great. I've and, little VO work is goes a long way. It's nice to do something. I, I yeah. found. And I love doing, I did a really good Ruth Bader Ginsburg spot. Uh, that was great. I mean, you know, there's just a few little choice spots that you, it's enough to keep you feeling creative. And I mm -hmm. do, you know, self tapes here and there. I'm trying to get better about appreciating the art of self taping. And I teach, so I teach once a week on Zoom. Oh yeah, uh, you teach so, acting. I teach a class. It used to. It was an on-camera class, but now I've turned it into film versus theater because I do so okay. much both. So I right. kind of. It's basically teaching the vocabulary of one to the other. Interesting. Amelia and I have been teaching similar things at, at Pace and other places recently as well. Amelia oh, says hello, Amelia. Uh, yeah, maybe you guys will come in and do a little Zoom with my class. Anytime. I'm so, I, they're so bored with me at this point. 
<laughs> well, those these kids, these poor students, I just I, I you know, know I feel so for them a whole year. Somebody would like to know their son. Somebody would like to know where they can see information about the courses. And if you if you email that to me, I'll put it up in the comments under the show when we post it. Great. It's just Stella Adler. Stella Adler. That sounds so familiar. Stella yeah. Adler School of Acting. Uh, and it's it's a if you go to NYU Tisch, they you have to pick you you there are various schools if you're gonna major in theater as an undergrad. They job you out to the Atlantic, Stone Street, Stella Adler, uh, Strasburg, whatever. There's all the different schools in Manhattan. Uh, I think there's neighborhood playhouse as well. So they job you out. And so I used to teach NYU students and Stella students, but now I just teach the Stella students because it was my schedule changes if I'm in a play so much that the NYU students have a limited flexibility because they're actually in real college. Right. And they have to have Monday and Friday, they're doing their real math and science and English. So there's not as much flexibility. And my schedule is such that I have to have a little flexibility because I, I, if I'm working, they have to reschedule my classes and stuff. But it's StellaAdler.com. It's a very good school. They do a full training program. So, um, yeah, it's great. I've been it, there do they practice. offer, do they yeah. offer, sorry. Do they offer online uh, stuff uh, exclusively during lockdown, or is yeah, it? Yeah, it's all online. Yeah, all online, right? Okay. So I this year, my class this year, I've done everything online. So I've redone my curriculum a little bit, but I figured out a way to kind of, and because my class is film versus theater, I've really focused on <clears throat> the perfect time to perfect your self-taping skills, which is really the future for all young actors. So learn how to light yourself, learn how to backgrounds, learn all that stuff. Use this yep. time wisely. And Crucial. Yeah, I've been teaching a uh, an on-camera and self-tape class during lockdown as well. Yeah. Uh, do you know our friend John Corcus who teaches there, Stella Adler? Uh, I know the name. Okay. When I teach there, when it's in person, I'm only there once a week because I just teach. It's only it's all the time I can give. All right. I'm not really in the know with all the faculty members, but um, some of them I know. They're all great. They're all really good. And it's um, run by a really good guy and very loves the theater, loves actors. It's a very warm community. You know, but my class is not as touchy-feely acting. It's more about the practicality of getting a job. Because... Right. That's all you really want is a job. So I talk mostly about staying healthy and how to get a job. Hmm, I should take your class. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I better sign up <laughs> for both reasons. For both know. of those reasons. Yeah. Matthew, you should come in and talk to my students. Will you come in and talk to them? I would love to come in and talk to them. Okay. I'm going to set that up. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm around. I think we should try to get Dennis Quaid to come talk to your <clears throat> students too. Just yeah. Should I've had many of my celebrity friends come in and it's so great. The students love it. it, it yeah, it, it's a lot of fun for them. She's talked to them probably six or seven times. The thing I most love about having well-known industry people coming into my classes, because I teach at a university now as well, 
and the students will have me for seven or eight weeks. And then I bring somebody else in and they'll ask them a question that I've answered every day for, for eight weeks. And the celebrity will say exactly what I've said. And then they all turn and look at you like, Oh, you do know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. No, you're suddenly validated. I know yeah. I get that with Annette. She'll come in and we'll talk and we'll say something. And then she'll go, she'll say exactly what I've said. And we don't prep ourselves. We're just right. like buddies. And then she'll say something. And I'll look up to the class and be like, hello. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now yeah. you believe me? Yeah. It's just your little stupid professor opinion until they hear it from someone famous. I'm until just- Hugh Jackman says it, it's not real. Exactly. <laughs> So true. That is so true. Um, Well, this has been just amazing to have you here. It's so good to see your face. (laughs) You know, that show was only 20 years ago. I know. You look just the same. (laughs) Yeah, right. You do. You look exactly the same. I look like I... I should have and folded. I I, I could be playing your father at this point. (laughs) No, that's for my husband to play. Oh. (laughs) Oh. He's not here to hear me say that. I'm here to hear that. It's okay. I'll I'll repeat it for him. Um, uh, But no, this has been such a treat to have you join us. Um, Well, I'm so happy you guys are doing this. And if you're bringing joy into people's lives during this crazy time, keep the faith, everyone. Get your vaccines. Wear your masks. It's going to be your. Oh, I got into it with a woman today, boy, who told me she thought that this was ridiculous. It was Time for, it's time for all the masks to come off and everything to get back to normal, don't you think? And I said, no. She said, well, I'm just giving you my opinion. I said, I understand it's your opinion. I said, but you know what? The disease doesn't care about your opinion. My like, I can sit here and say, I don't believe in tuberculosis. And tuberculosis is going to say, I don't care. Stella <laughs> follows every protocol there is. There's infections all the time. Juilliard follows every protocol. There's infections. Law and order protocols. There's infections. They shut things down. Yeah. So it's real. Yeah, it is. It's real. It is Still definitely real. real. I'm staying home until further notice. Yeah. That's for sure. And get gorgeous masks. I make my own masks. Matthew, mm-hmm. you'll love this. They all match my outfits. I've got every color, every, like, I, my you mask. Know- are so pretty. If you hadn't told me that, I think I would have been able to figure it out. <laughs> I just wear a, uh, a Draco mask. I wear a Lou Gossett um, alien mask all the time now. Right. Well, that'll work. And Works that'll well. people away, too. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have friends. I didn't have them before anyway. So this works out well for me. Uh, it was great to meet you. If we haven't met before, it was great to meet you this way, Carolyn. Thank you so much for... I will. I will indeed. And um, fabulous. thanks for coming on and talking to us. Okay. My pleasure. Good night. Good night. <laughs> so we have to, that was great. That was amazing. What a nice thing. That, that was fantastic. I used to totally surprised me too. Cause you said there was going to be a guest and you didn't, you wouldn't tell me who it was going to be. I wouldn't tell you who it was going to be. And it was the beautiful space woman. Um, what a, I mean, she's the, the Star Trek has 
has made her the idealized uh, she woman. The ideal woman. Yeah. That's that's a remarkable yeah. um, achievement. And we did dinner with friends together for, gosh, about a year and a half. And and it was just a ball. She was just a ball to work with the entire time. Well, she seems great. Yeah. She seems like, um, you know, like a lot of fun to work with, like a down-to-earth person, yep. like all those things you'd, uh, you'd hope. That's great. So I think we dissected this movie, kind of. Well, I didn't come or... close. <laughs> didn't come close. And but... we didn't even talk about what we're going to do uh, next week. We don't know what we're going to do next week. Um, but we'll announce it at some point. It'll, you'll, you will find out. We will tell you. We'll tell people what we're going to do. Don't right? you worry what movie it is yet. Yeah. I do. There are a couple things I just want to mention. Notable things. That oh, about, about this movie since this is before we go. Movies? Okay. Just before we go. Um, I, I, I feel like when you have to have a, a, a blinking digital sign that says robot working. In your space movie, that you've you've made a you've made an error somewhere. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's just it's it's a I, I, it's a small feeling I have, but I feel strongly about it. I I will agree with that. Yeah, I have one more picture I want to quickly share. Do you ha do you want to hear before you do that? Can I tell you my favorite line? Yeah, tell me your favorite line. It's a piece of narration. That yeah. Dennis Quaid, uh, let's put it this way. Dennis Quaid at least does a better job narrating this than Harrison Ford did on Blade Runner. So oh, there's okay. that. But he does have to say, time passed, as time does. <laughs> my favorite line. I think my favorite line was something like, these cards are terrible. <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Oh... The, the sort of ancillary dialogue in this movie was worse than in any other movie I've ever seen, I think. Well, you need to see more movies, but there was some special. There was just interesting things. I like that he had like a like a 45, uh, Colt 45 in space. <laughs> yeah, right. The guns. We have guns. spaceships, interplanetary yeah. spaceships, but handheld weapons haven't advanced at all. Yeah. Yeah, like I call this photograph. Uh, he's gonna feel that in the morning. <laughs> that was a good crunch. That was a good dummy crunch. Yeah, the dummy going. They send this the guy down a chute, and he goes into a giant drill pit, and he gets yeah, crushed. And gets crushed. That was really. I like um, that. I like. You that. know, I like William Peterson. I need him to get another pyrotechnic advisor for this movie because <laughs> no. Yeah, it was just... That didn't work. I think what it was was... Do you remember those things that you would get as a kid that was a little thing that had a, a spinning wheel, right? And a handle, and you pushed the... you With your thumb, you pushed the thing, and the spinning wheel would spin around and shoot spark? Yeah, I do remember that. They had people off camera going <laughs> yes, they like did. that with those things. <laughs> yeah, they did. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what they had. Let me look through my note. <laughs> you let me, your note? Yeah. Um, I, the, I, the, this is notable film for, for another thing. Uh, it has more actors getting punched 
away from camera or hurt and then turning into camera and showing you their bloody face or the thing that happened to them. It happens like five times in this film. It's fantastic. Right. I actually have something serious to say about it, um, which was that the, the, the handling of the two guys alone on the planet before they become friends I, I, I watched uh, some of Hell in the Pacific. And then I also, and you're going to laugh at this, but I also thought back to the brilliant sequence in um, Black Stallion of the boy and the horse marooned on the island. And and the the amount of time that both of those movies spent in relative silence and back and forth sort of negotiation between people from, you know, in one, a boy and a horse, and mm-hmm. in another, a, a Japanese serviceman and an American serviceman in World War II. And the amount of, of time that they did mining the possibilities, the interesting possibilities for how that distance gets traversed. And in this movie, it's like a quick fight, and now we're talking. Yeah, part of the problem was that they, you know, unlike both those other two movies, that, which were shot all on location and beautiful, crazy locations where it was all real. This was this was a stage set that they had to use and repurpose. Oh, my God, it got so dark in here. Dark. Spooky. They had wow. to use and repurpose um, over and over again for different things. Right. And they could only show certain parts of the sets that they could show. There, there was a lot of things and restrictions to working on a soundstage that they ran into. And you just, uh, you can't have a lot of variety because you've got one little, they could have the space to build that one little pool, right, right. with the outcropping. Right. And then that takes up half a soundstage or a whole soundstage. Yeah. It's huge. You know that that one little that little pool was also used for the miniatures in Dust Boat. I read that. I did read that. <laughs> that was exciting. Did you also read my favorite thing I learned throughout this whole thing? Um, was that there is that that studio has like a ride, like a like a Universal Studio tour, and there are sets and things from Enemy Mine that are still like part of that tour. Yes. And I read that they did a uh, an optical illusion to make the hallways in the space station look longer that involved a uh, a slanted mirror at the end of a hallway that made mm. the hallway look much longer than it is. And that the effect was so good that on the tour, a tour guide walked into it. Into and- <laughs> These are fascinating uh, movie tidbits. Hashtag hallways you don't get them anywhere but here hashtag long hallway unless you do a modicum of research and then you'll find them in the same place that we found them are you searching for long highway uh, long hallways (laughs) i'm not i'm not long hallway is that the movie we're we're doing next week i think so well, we did. I, I mean, I'm not coming up with anything brilliant. I don't have anything else to say about this movie. Um, I will say that, okay, what can we say? Let's say some nice things about it because there are a lot of good things well, about again, it. Obviously, Lugas is great. Lugas, great, great, great. 
the sensitivity with which he plays this character um and the the his his willingness to commit 100% even at a time when he had to kind of know as they were making it that it wasn't uh wasn't you know that it, it what it wasn't 2001 yeah. yeah he had to know i think he knew i think they knew but you know again they probably don't you there's probably also that part of you that doesn't know you know maybe that you're not making 2001 but then you really don't know if you're making star wars that's true that's true you don't i mean I think you know you're making 2001 because you meet Stanley Kubrick and you're like, oh my God, that guy is just a crazy genius, strange genius. Like, right. you know, he's going to make an interesting movie, this guy. Steven Jules Rubin, can I request sometime y'all review another Western, especially New Mexico made one, that and or another Luke Gossett movie as an Iron, is Iron Eagle too low? Hey, Steven, uh, uh, Jules, I think you prefer Jules, forgive me. Um, why don't you name a Western you'd like us to do? Because we're, we're, we'd like a Western, right? We love Westerns. And we could use some help because we're, we're drawing a blank. So if we were so, talking about maybe doing a, you know, a string of, uh, of sci-fi, but we don't have sci-fi. I'm sure, I'm sure Jules would have a great sci-fi recommendation as well. Um, do you want to do, I know we do. What do we, we do? do the black hole, man. The Black Hole? We do The Black Hole. I don't know that movie. <sighs> Jules, tell me that's a good move. Is it available? If it's not available, there's no justice. The Black Hole. Who's in this movie? Maximilian Shell is in the movie. Oh, The Black Hole. It's a Disney film that... Um, 1979. Yeah. And it is uh, it's only available on the Disney Channel, which I don't have. Well, you better Wait get Disney. No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It's on Amazon Prime. There you go. That's what we're doing next week. The Black Hole. Are you good with that? I'm great with anything. Well, that's not we. You're you're helping. You know, we're doing a show to get. You're running. You're producing a show. I'm producing a show. You need to have some opinion. I am, I am happy. I like. Uh, Thanks a million. Shell is in it. Thanks a million. Shell. Yeah. yeah. As I remember correctly, it has one of the funniest lines I've ever heard. Okay. Well, don't tell me what it is, and uh, and then you can quiz and me. See if you can guess which the line is. Okay. Yeah, great. Guess, guess so next week, I'm gonna be. You know, and all of you out there, if you if I forget, hold me responsible. I am going to find out and quiz Matthew on what the best line is and see if he gets it right. Okay, there we go. All right. Well, thank you for sticking with us, even with all of the technical difficulties this evening. It was glitchy, yeah. Yeah. But uh, we, we hope it will be better next week. And, what else uh, can we do? What else can we do? We can say we got sucked down a black hole and it caused technical difficulties. We'll at least have an excuse later. Anyway. See you next week. Good night, man. Good night.
You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know. 